time for Cigar Talk, the fastest growing cigar show in the nation. Whether you're a new cigar enthusiast or a cigar aficionado, we have something for everyone. Bringing you the best interviews, cigar reviews, and weekly giveaways. So grab yourself a cigar. It's time to light them up. Welcome back, Cigar Talk. I'm your host, Rob Jones. We have co-host Bryant Falconer back in the studio. We yes, missed him last week, man. Yes. How you been, brother? Hey, man, I'm doing good, doing good. Awesome. So, uh, you know, we had to do the show without you last week. Yeah. You were out of town. You had to go take care of family business. Most definitely. Most and definitely. that always takes priority. On everything. Yeah, same. You know, brotherly hey. love, family <laughs> love. We take care of most our own. Most definitely, most definitely, so, man. We, we're glad you're back. We hey, missed you last week. Glad to be back. Uh, I missed and I know Cigar Talk. everybody who listened to the show last week i don't know if you know this you know i did it by myself yeah it was rough it was rough in fact i had feedback saying where was the loud mouth <laughs> he was here <laughs> <laughs> so, the cool part of the show was missing <laughs> oh man you're hitting me deep hey so anyway let's go ahead and talk about what we're smoking well, on most definitely man today i'm smoking this new stick that came into the leafs called the esteban carrera uh Unforgiven. Unforgiven. But it's called the Super Freak. Oh, okay. Well, see, Jay was telling me earlier. Oh, man. Now, there was one called the Wrecking Ball. Wrecking Ball, yeah. Did did he tell you what I said? No. I said, well, he's a Miley Cyrus fan. He'll probably love that stick. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Yeah, but, man, this is a... It's a, it's a good medium stick. And it's huge. Oh, yes, it's a uh, seven by six and a half. Oh, dude, that is so big. And I'm enjoying it. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that, I can't, I can't. I, you know what? I shared with Jay one of the cigars I gave you earlier, which uh-huh. is that Alec Bradley uh, Texas Lancero. Lancero, yes, Which sir. is, first of all, that's an insult, really, because <laughs> you're smoking a cigar that's really a joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is a 7 by 70 Yeah, it's a 7 by 70 and they call it the Texas Lancero. Lancero yeah. I didn't really care for it. I thought you're getting a ton of filler mm. and not a lot of complexity at all. Okay. I will find out. Yeah, I mean, you'll probably... In, I mean, it's not a bad cigar. Mm-hmm. It's just there's a lot of it. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm smoking the uh, McAuliffe Connecticut yes, tonight. Sir. Yes, sir. I love this. I'm also yeah. drinking some Texas Pecan Medium Roast Coffee, which yeah. is amazing with this stick. Yeah, it's, it's amazing with this uh, super freak, as they call it. Yeah. You <laughs> know, what that, that describes you oh come on that used to be me i am saved <laughs> and old yeah not he's no longer the super freak he's just a freak he's just a freak <laughs> i'm rick james <laughs> hey so let's talk about McAuliffe, our sponsor most uh, definitely we're thankful to have them yeah. you know one of the things i'd love about McAuliffe is the variety that you get from one cigar company you know what I mean? All day long. They take care of people and they act like they're actually from Texas because they think they look out for everybody. And they make a wide range of cigars. Yes, sir. You can find just about every cigar to fit a palate within their line of cigars. And it's today. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, in fact, I was smoking one of the Torcedors. Mm-hmm. Have you smoked the yes, one sir. that's got the... Uh, Gold the, band? Yeah, the metallic oh, orangish yes. color. Dude, that was a oh, great stick. That was a great stick, We had man. those over coffee last week. Yeah. And I tell you what, I think it was like... I don't I don't remember the price point on it, but it was under $5. Yes, it was. It was. I don't remember exactly. 480 480 mm-hmm. I think that's probably right. Mm-hmm. But we had two different ones because yeah. I had the box press. And I had the torpedo. Yes. 
And I tell you what, I lit that up, and I think I was drinking Sumatra coffee that mm. day. And that stick really blew me away yeah. for an under five dollars stick. Tell the truth. So the truth. if you're out there and you think you can't afford a quality cigar, dude, you walk in, ask for the McAuliffe line. Yes, and you're gonna yep. find a wide price range. You're gonna find a wide complex profile that everyone will find mm-hmm. something that they love. And so if you haven't tried the McAuliffe, you got to try them. Go to the website and click on a link. Check out their website. Yes, sir. Shows all their different cigars. And then we'll talk about the uh, Ambassador Program later on in the show. Yes, we'll come back to that. So anyway, something we want to talk about is the top 10 cigar tips. Come on with it. Come on with so, it. So, you know, everybody has tips. And we want to share those <laughs> tips with each other because, you know, it's a family-oriented uh, community. It's a brotherhood. And so I think these are a lot of the basic ones. But, you know, we've talked about different tips uh, throughout the weeks of different shows. And so what I want to do is basically go over, like, a top ten and cover a lot of ground. Okay. So maybe you're new. Maybe you smoke cigars for a while. This isn't directed towards new cigar smokers or old cigar smokers. It's just general knowledge that you should abide by. Uh, It's, you know, what do you call it, etiquette? Yes. There's also some tips. Mm -hmm. So basically, we just compiled a top ten list of things you should know as a cigar smoker. Yes, and especially when you're starting off, these are things that will help you integrate into the community absolutely and i mean think about how much longer it takes uh, if no one tells you this information yeah then you you're mad I mean? and upset why didn't y'all tell me this right you're over there looking like a moron because you didn't know <laughs> especially with some of these tips yes. right so the first one is quality what you look for in quality like for me and everybody kind of has their own set yeah but for me is construction if it's you know now i will say that there's some cigars that i haven't enjoyed that has good construction but if it doesn't have construction, that's where it starts for me. Okay. When I when I clip the cigar and do a cold draw, if it doesn't have a good draw, I'm just like, oh, oh yeah, you upset from oh, the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I, I already know I'm yeah. not going to enjoy this smoke like mm-hmm. I normally would. You know what I mean? Yeah, most definitely. And it comes down to that construction. But there are also some uh, sticks that you smoke, and they explode on you. But they're so great. So the construction. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the that's construction. It, it it's it's a main point. And it's something that you need to pay attention to, but you also got to understand it's the stick. It's the stick. And well, let me say on that, though, when you Mm -hmm. say that like a cigar, I posted a picture on Instagram probably two or three months ago of Uh a cigar I was smoking that, I mean, it just blew up. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I mean, it looked like someone had put one of those little bombs Bombs. in and it actually exploded. (laughs) And I smoked it anyway. I was like, hey, you know what? This is some really good profile. It's actually smoking fine. So I smoked it. And that's the thing that, that we're talking about. With the construction, if it isn't perfect, but the stick is still good, the stick still, uh, it, it, it hits your palate. It, uh, the aroma is, 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 is enticing to you. Yeah, that's a, it's a drawback on the construction, but it's not a major. But then, like you said earlier, you have those that have major construction. But then you smoke the stick and you're like, what is this, a twig? (laughs) It's like you're smoking wood. Well, hey, and I've pulled twigs out of the end of a cigar before, and it's like, holy crap, how'd that get in there? But, you know, and but going back to that, say that, like that cigar that exploded Uh on me. 
I had smoked other cigars in that line uh-huh. that didn't do that. And that's where so, you get that. So yeah. that's one of those questions, though. Is it the construction? Or the stick? Is it how it was humidified? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of variances that go into that. So you can't just say this one stick was bad, so they're all bad construction. That's, that's correct. Another thing is a nice aroma. Ooh. You know what I mean? Oh. When, when you have that nice aroma, you know that's a good quality yes, stick. Sir. You know, cigars are kind of like fine wine. Mm-hmm. They're just not rolled up, and here you go. No, sir. It, it, a lot of things go into making that uh-huh. cigar. You're talking about the soil, the climate, climate. the seed, mm-hmm. the roller. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have all these different things that come into making a single cigar. Yes, sir. And so when you find a good quality cigar, you'll know it mm-hmm. after you've smoked a while. Yes, sir. Because when I go back to when I first started, I didn't know what a quality <laughs> cigar was. You know what? I knew what I've always known is when I have a bad draw. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's the worst. That that destroys a stick from the beginning yes. with me. A bad draw, I would actually do something that is a, another tip on this list, and I would just, it's done. It's yeah. done. I, I, I'll get up. I'll walk back to the humidor and find another one. Yeah, and I tell you what, my wife, and you know, my wife doesn't smoke cigars, but Uh she knows that I would be so frustrated (laughs) with a cigar that doesn't have a draw. Oh, yes. That she would be like, hey, life's too short. Get another one. Get another one. And so that's been my mentality. Mm -hmm. If I can't get a draw on it, I'm done. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, well, let's move on to tip number two which is when you're starting out smoking cigars, this is for the beginner, I'm going to say that you should usually start out with something like a light Connecticut. Okay. I mean, like, what would you recommend? I would truly recommend a uh, light Connecticut or starting off with the acid line. Something something light, and like see, a blind. I, and, and I never, well, I won't say I never smoked an acid because mm-hmm. I have. I didn't care for them. But I didn't smoke an acid until I'd already been smoking cigars probably for about three years, okay. four years. Okay. And so I didn't enjoy it. But that being said, if I had never smoked a cigar. Mm-hmm. And started with that. I might have been like, hey, that that's not bad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing about an uh, acid or a, a infused cigar is that once you really learn to appreciate the taste of a good tobacco, it's hard to go back. Yeah, but see, that's why it's great to start with. Right, that's what I'm it saying. It gives you something to start with so you can learn how to smoke a stick. There is an art to learning to smoking a cigar. And acids are made with quality, quality tobacco. Quality tobacco. You know tobacco. what I mean? And, they're, and most of them are light. There are some that are, that are heavy, that are, are bold, but most of your acids are light, especially a blonde. Right. You start off with a blonde. It's something nice and light for you to get an understanding of smoking you know, a, a now stick. Now that I think about it, uh-huh. I started out with a blonde. Okay. Okay. Back when I was in high school. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, That's enough of that. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> no, but I'm with you. I, I, I think a great... Uh, a smooth, light Connecticut. In fact, I got a friend that's going to a Perdomo event tomorrow night down in San Angelo. Okay. Uh, shout out to Vic, uh, one of our Patreons. Okay. Now, that's not who's going. He's already going to be there, but mm-hmm. he invited one of the guys that I know. Okay. So, anyway, he's going to go down there, and he asked me what I would recommend. And I said, well, out of the Perdomo line, since you really don't ever smoke cigars, Come on. the champagne line yes. would be perfect. Yes. You know what I mean? Champagne sun-grown. Yeah. <sighs> Very nice. Delicate. Yeah. But good construction. Good construction. Nice draw. A great aroma. Absolutely. You know, something to start with that we, we will give you an understanding. Okay, yeah, man, I like this. Yeah. And you'll keep going. Well, you know, what he what he wanted to know was, he wanted to know a cigar that wouldn't kick his butt. Oh, yeah. Because... <laughs> 
I had given him a cigar once. Oh, yeah. And he said that he turned green <laughs> about a quarter of the way in. And I was like, yeah, but you don't smoke cigars. Yeah. I and, said, start with something light. And you are a bold man. Well, most of the time. And especially <laughs> back then, I really was. So, anyway, that's our tip or advice to beginners is start light. Get your, you know, your bearings. Yeah. Uh, figure out what you like. Get your feet wet. Yeah. And see if you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Just... Just take your time. Don't be in a rush. Here is cigar tip number three, (laughs) and that is buy a cigar at the shop you're smoking at. Almost definitely. Brick and mortar, baby. Got to support them. Exactly. Got to support them. And what's funny is, we've said this before, Uh you don't show up to a restaurant with a chicken in your purse. No, sure don't. You know what I mean? (laughs) So when you go to the shop, and also take advantage of the tobacconist that's there. Yeah. You know, especially if you're new, uh, go in there, let them know. And I do this today. I mean, you know, I've developed some really good relationships with several tobacconists at several different shops. So I can go in and say, Hey man, I'm looking for something new. And I've been working with those tobacconists for so long that they actually have a good understanding of what I like. Yeah. They know your palate. Yeah. And they will lead me to something that I would never even think about smoking. Yeah. But it's something that you would, you would smoke because they know your palate. But I didn't know about yeah, it. Yeah. You didn't right. know about it. And that's what a tobacconist is supposed to be. He's supposed to be your guide. He's like, you, you go on this, this journey, which cigar smoking to me is a journey because there's so many types. There's so many uh, manufacturers. There's so many blends you want somebody that can guide you down a path that allows you to to to, to d- explore your own palate for one thing. Absolutely, and that's what a tobacconist is. You know, that's their that's their job to help you understand your palate, to uh, gear you to to, uh, to steer you to sticks that will you know excite your palate, and then give you an understanding. Okay, this is new. How about trying this? How about trying this? You find out more about cigars because I, I started off with one type, you know, Monte Cristo. Right, right. And now it's like, okay, I still buy me a box of Monte Cristos, but I try everything else in that humidor. J- uh, Jay why, comes why, in. Why are you still wasting your money? That's what I want to know. Monte Cristo still a good stick to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Hey. Hey, let's get to the tip number four. Come and on. that is cut your stick properly. Oh. So- you know, and that's that sounds so basic and mundane, but you know, I'll, I'll tell this story. Back when I first started hanging out with the Leaf, I'd been smoking cigars for a few years, and I'm sitting over there and I'm smoking a cigar, and I hear old man Bill, "Who the hell cut this cigar?" And I was like, "Uh oh," and I was like, uh, "That was me." And he came over there and he's like, "You don't know what the hell you're doing." And I was like, that's "Well, Bill. that's apparent." So he's like, "You see the cap on the cigar?" And he showed me his cigar, uh-huh. and he was like, "You cut yours completely off." Yeah, you know, I, I had gone way down, down low. Long. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I don't know what the cap is. Okay. And then he explained it. Hey, you look for that little cap. It looks like a small yarmulke mm-hmm. that goes around the shoulder of the cigar. Mm-hmm. You don't want to cut below that line. No. And he said, really, you don't want to cut close to the line. Because yeah. you leave that cap on so that your cigar stays intact. And how many newbies have cut their cigar, started smoking, and it started unraveling on you in your mouth. Right. I used to have that happen all yeah. the time, and I had no idea. You know what? Yeah. I thought that was bad construction. Yeah, but it wasn't. Right. It was, it it was, was me. Yeah, <laughs> 100% you. Right. <laughs> now, let's also talk about another etiquette. When you're cutting your cigar and you're using the house cutter. Oh, come on with this one. stick the cigar in your no. mouth and then cut 
<laughs> I didn't wake up with you. <laughs> right. No, I don't want uh, what's in your mouth in my mouth. Tell the truth. Tell okay. the truth. So anyway, what I love is uh, Jay has this uh, this uh, chart now, and he oh actually, yeah, yeah, I he, saw that he took from people that were cutting in the leaf their uh, the caps that they were cutting off, and he he actually made a chart of it to show where you're supposed to cut and improper cuts. Right, and he he brings that out when he gets someone in there that's new, and they say, "Oh, I'm just I want to try uh, smoking cigars." He educates them there. That's a great tobacconist. You know, he he's giving you education and also steering you toward the best stick for you right now absolutely i, I and, love it and man. that's why i don't not use those guys expertise oh, yes, yes. that's what they're there for oh yes. oh yes so also while we're talking about cutting your cigar there's three main types mm -hmm. of cutting that's, your cigar you have the guillotine cut yeah. which is just a straight cut you know you want to cut above that line on your cap but then the next one that a lot of people use and i think you use quite a bit mm -hmm. is the v cut v cut or uh, it's also called the wedge cut. Mm -hmm. uh, that's I don't really care for that cut. I will use it. No, I won't. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I like the guillotine cut. I'm straight cut all the way. All the way. Okay. So now no, I, I use hole punch too. I will. I will say on occasion. I will use a punch. Yeah. But basically when I like to use a punch mm -hmm. is whenever I'm smoking a box press yeah. and it's a square, square top. top. Yeah. So if you use a guillotine, you're going to squish that, that, top. that. And it doesn't work out yeah. well. So if I'm smoking like, say, a uh, uh, Flathead 660, yes, you got, I always you, use a and punch. And that's I always use a punch on that. Uh, I got this. Now light. I can see on that you could use a V cut. Maybe yeah. would that work? It would work because it it actually doesn't cut in and it doesn't compress the uh, right. The, uh, and I would even see maybe on that maybe cutting it twice, corner to corner, corner. both ways. Mm. Well, looky there, coming up with something yeah. good for you, huh? Now yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'll try it just yeah, to see. I know you will. <laughs> so, but no, I use a punch on those type of cigars because it does make it easier to get a good draw without having to take a chance on squishing it. Yes, sir. So, and destroying the construction of your stick. Absolutely. So, the other one is let's cool down on the crack torch. <laughs> We're not smoking crack. I know everybody's got a cool jet. I've got several cool jets, but that doesn't mean you're smoking crack and you're getting it all the way down to get your fix. <laughs> Man, there's a skill to using a torch. There's a skill to using a single, a single flame versus a triple flame. I don't even know how you use a single flame. <laughs> People use Dude, them, man. That is tough. <laughs> that is tough. And let me tell you, the only time I enjoy, or I wouldn't even say enjoy, the only time I think I need a single torch uh -huh. is whenever it's a thin, precise flame and I'm just touching up. Okay. Like if I, I get you. a bad run, run on the side, side yeah. then I can touch it up with a precise, because you don't want to use a quad jet oh, trying to touch up a cigar. Because you're going to destroy it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to destroy the it. The tobacco is not meant to mm -mm. get that hot. No, it isn't. And so I prefer, like when I'm at the Leaf, and I used to keep them at home, but it's just a pain, and I, I'm lazy. So <laughs> what I'd like to do, though, is get a couple of cedar sticks, or I just get one, and what I do is they're the long ones, yeah, so I fold them in half, half, yeah, and then I use my torch to light those up, and then, and then I the use that cedar, cedar stick. stick, and I, I love lighting a cigar that way. It's a better 
uh, lighting. It's even. It's a soft flame. And you also get that, that flavor of the cedar coming in with it. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And see, that's what I do. Uh, I'm telling on myself, or well, Jay don't get upset with me, but I take a few of those uh, cedar sticks. Thief. I, yes. Thief. When, <laughs> with me, and I put them in my travel pack. So I always have cedar sticks with me. And it's you light it. It's that soft flame. And when you're inhaling, you're bringing in that cedar taste with it. So it enhances that stick. Right. Versus you you're sucking in the uh uh the butane and now you're like especially with a quad jet, oh man, with this new Zycar uh uh, uh fuel that Ooh, high performance. Right, right. Oh man, come on. Dude. Now I will say too that I, I enjoy using if we have the long cigar matches. Yeah, oh yeah. But yeah. what you gotta realize is usually it takes two. Mm-hmm. Don't rush it. Take your time. Get it lit. I like to toast the foot. I like to smell that toast. You know what I mean? Because that lets me know what I'm getting. What's coming. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It, it's kind of like smelling that apple pie. Oh, yeah, before it's you like, get up on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm fixing to enjoy this bad boy. So take your time, light it. Don't torch the hell out of no. it. Because what that does is it scorches the tobacco and makes the flavor mm-hmm. go bitter. Mm-hmm. Now, the next tip is, and I'll just say the band. Oh, the band okay. on your cigar this is really up to you mm-hmm. to take off the band or not to take off the band. That's the question. What do you do? It depends on the stick. I always try my bands before I uh, smoke my stick. And if it's loose, where it as like Speak this up one, in the mic. It's loose like this one where it twists. Yeah. I'm not going to take it off until I get to that point. I'm going to let the band, I'm going to let it smoke on up. If it's twist. tight or loose. If it's tight. I'm going to take it off before I start Why? smoking because I don't want to when once it gets to that point and I want to continue, especially if it's a good stick and I want to continue going, it's going to be a fight trying to get that let band me, let off. Let me tell you something maybe you don't know. What's that? When you leave the band on. Nah. No, no. Listen I'm, to me. You don't know what I'm going to say. Yes, I do. What? That it the, the heat and the cigar kind of shrinks so the band becomes loose and you can no, take it off. What, no, what are you no. going to say? The heat relaxes the the sticky peppin inside that band so that the glue relaxes and it's easy to take off. I have had in the last two months, four sticks where the band was tight. I smoked it down and it didn't get loose. And then when I started trying to take it off, it became a problem and I started hey. tearing the, the wrapper. All right. Maybe it's a theory. <laughs> no, but it comes down to exactly no, but, what but you that's, said. That's it's what on you, say. and that's what. But that's the golden. Well, I won't say golden rule. Yeah. That's that's what the thought process is okay. on smoking it. Now, but that's not why I smoke it up to the band. Mm-hmm. I smoke it up to the band because, to me, the band helps hold the cigar together. Okay, you know what I mean. Even though you're not cutting the cap off, sometimes you still have some issues with a cigar coming unraveled. So if you leave the band on, it helps maintain the cigar. Now, sometimes I do take the band off, and usually it's because it's too loose to begin with, and I'm not going to jack with it sliding up and down. And a lot of times, I don't take the cigar band off until I'm like, what's that smell? Oh, <laughs> you smoke in the band. <laughs> yeah. And I've had, like, Matthew several times be like, hey, Rob, your band's on fire. I'm like, hey, man, I'm smoking it. All right. So let's go to number seven. Uh-huh. And that is, and this is an important one for me to take. Okay? okay. Enjoy your smoke. Most definitely. Don't get in a hurry. 
what are you here for? We're going to sit back and relax. You know, Paul was kidding around with me the other day, and he's like, Rob smokes three cigars to my one. <laughs> I say it's he was true. kidding, but it yeah. is true. <laughs> I don't set my cigar down. No, you don't. I, I mean, I rarely set my cigar down. Mm-hmm. And... I'm not real sure why that is. You think somebody's going to take it. Well, maybe. (laughs) But I'm going to try to force myself to be a little more patient with my smoke. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? I mean, look, we've been... We're 25 minutes in, and I still I'm a halfway. Yeah, that that is amazing. And that for was you. A, and that was a shorter stick. Yeah. That's a robusto. Yeah. So I'm only halfway through, and normally I'd be just about done. No, you'd be done on another. <laughs> right. <laughs> so and it, you know what's funny is I don't know if most people notice this, but usually when we start the show, I'm smoking yes. something, and then after the break, when we come back, back. I'm on something else. else. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still on the first stick. Right. <laughs> Because, like, right now, I'm still in the first third of this one. Yeah, but that's a 70 ring gauge. Yeah, I am. Oh, man. For real, I'm liking this. Is it really? I am liking this, man. What what kind of flavors are you getting out of that? I'm getting a nutty flavor out of it. It's it's a little creamy, but I'm still in the first third. I'm looking for a pepper in it, but I haven't tasted that yet. I got you. Yeah, you know, I like to go, like, that cedar nuttiness, mm-hmm. creaminess, then pop up and get some black pepper. Mm. And really, I tell you what I really love is that, and that's the red pepper. When you get that red pepper, yes. you know what, what makes retro me? Retrohale it, too. Oh, yeah. Oh. You know which cigar does that really well is the LFD Chapter 2. Yes, sir. Yes, and, you sir. know, you can almost tell that it's going to be a red pepper cigar because that tobacco is like a oily reddish brown yes it is reddish brown not dark it's a reddish brown and i was just like wow and you know what's (laughs) funny is it has so much red peppery that when you've been smoking on that cigar for about 45 minutes Mm -hmm. your lips get Get a little little numb numb, yeah some heat yes because of that red pepper you're like "Mm, i like that i love it man i love it all right so the next one is try not to ash don't ash too early. That should have been number one on the list. <laughs> no. I'm serious, man. I hate to see people do that, man. Like I said, the only time I do that no, is, no, if no, I, no. is if I get a stick. No, 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 no. What's that? You're you're not ashing. Oh, you're talking about the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the don't, long don't, ash. Well, no, don't ash too soon. Yeah. But don't not ash at all. Yeah. You know, and it drives me crazy. I see all these people doing it on Instagram. Oh, you're talking about the, yeah, them long they, ashes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? If you want to have a long ash, you're having fun with it, knock yourself <laughs> out. Everybody has the right to smoke their cigar the way they want to. But when I'm in a cigar <laughs> shop and I'm hanging out and I see somebody like leaning their head back, smoking their cigar with the cigar going straight yeah, like up. Like they smoking a uh, periscope or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way that you can just be like at it, ease. Or enjoying And it. enjoying yourself. Yeah. yeah. If you're like snorkeling, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. anyway, don't ash too often because then you don't have a nice ash on the end. Yeah. And that ash actually is like an insulation mm-hmm. of the heat and it keeps the heat a right temperature. So it burns the tobacco yeah. evenly. So when you're constantly ashing all the time and you get it down to the cherry, you're more out to get a runner because that heat will go to one side. And then, bam. We had a uh, situation yesterday, and it was funny at the Leaf. Uh, the colonel was over there smoking, you know, his cheap cigar. And it started canoeing. And, I mean, it was funny because it actually, he was smoking it 
straight on, had it sitting straight on, but the, but the stick was curled up at the end, and there was a long run under the bottom that was still wrapper, and everything inside of it was burnt out. Wow. <laughs> So it was curved. Yes. I've actually seen that happen before. Oh, man. We were sitting. Jay actually took a picture. And he said he put it on uh, uh, Instagram. I fell out laughing. I was like, look. And he's like, I'm trying to do this. I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Colonel got skills. <laughs> All right. So here's the one you're talking about. Yeah. Don't mash the oh, ash. I hate that, man. Yeah. And I tell you what, that's something that I've never done because someone told me early on. But if if you're new, most of you guys already know this, but if you're new, take this to heart. When you're done with the cigar, just set, set it, it down. on the ashtray. Yep. It'll go out. It yep. usually goes out within a minute or two. And it's not just like a big bomb of smoke. Yep. And when you smash it, what happens is you're smashing all those oils and it actually usually smells ridiculously horrendous. Yes. It's not good at all. And it just makes this big plume of smoke mm, and I, then it doesn't go out. It doesn't go out. You got ash up there. Now we're sitting. Now we have to sit there and smell and fan it away. Oh, you're just man. like, dude, take that outside. The only time, like I said, the only time I've done that is when I had a terrible cigar. And I didn't want it anymore. I'm not, I, I'd smash it in there. But you're enjoying it. Just sit it down and walk away. Exactly. All right. So the last tip is for your shelf life of your cigar. Okay. And here's the thing. If you get a good quality cigar that's been humidified correctly mm-hmm. at the shop, when you leave, that cigar will usually last, depending on, of course, where you're at. I mean, if you're in Arizona, it's probably going to dry out a lot quicker. West Texas. Right, even West Texas. <laughs> but in general, a cigar will usually last between 24 to 48 hours. Yes, sir. After that, it's going to dry. It's not going to smoke as well. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the flavors that were intended by the blender. Yeah. And it's just going to diminish. So if you're going to be smoking cigars, you really need to have a humidor at home. You know what I mean? If, especially if, if you really get into it and you start smoking pretty regular, regular basis, basis. Yeah. You're going to want to have a humidor. Because yeah, you don't want to waste your money. Exactly. Yeah. Or waste your sticks because that's, you know, you have alcohol abuse. That's you're abusing that tobacco. Absolutely. You're abusing. And this is and this is a product that over 200 hands have touched touched to to create this masterpiece. Oh, come on. And then you, you know, leave it on the dash of your car. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Treat it like a Philly. (laughs) (laughs) A backwoods. (laughs) So and then also know that whenever you set up your humidor at home, you usually want to be like right around 70% humidity Mm -hmm. and 70 degrees. Mm -hmm. You know, you have some variation back and forth. And also I read an article back, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. that was talking about if you primarily are smoking like dark Maduros, Mm -hmm. you really only need to keep it about 64 to 65. That's some good information. Yeah. Because humidors maintain more humidity because of that, that leaf. leaf. Yeah. And so if you keep them at 70 or higher, that's something that Mike Rosales shared with us was that, you know, those Roma crafts really, you don't need to be more than 65% humidity. So, you know, it also goes into what you smoke. So do a little research if you plan on storing cigars, because nothing's worse than opening up your humidor and you got trash. Yeah. And you got to have a a quality humidor too. Something that you're taking care of and you seasoned well. And it's, 
it's 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 equipment that you must have if you're a cigar aficionado. Exactly. It's, it's equipment. And you know, one of the most important things to look for when you look for a humidor is that it has a nice seal yes. when you close it. Yes. If you know, when you lift it, if it just pops right up, it's not tight mm-hmm. enough. When I lift my lid up on my humidor, it's like almost I'm going to lift up the humidor mm-hmm. before it like breaks free. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I told you this. I actually got a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, not a cooler door, but a cigar door. So, Did I tell you that? No. I haven't brought it out yet. It's still in the box. Okay. It's in my house. It's a 400 count. Wow. Cigar door. door. I yeah. guess that's what you call it. But anyway, uh, I was planning on setting it up right there. And then, you know, we're, we're getting crowded in here. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I got to move stuff out before I can move stuff in. So you sitting over there with all that wax like you a DJ. (laughs) So anyway, guys, that's our top 10 tips. I hope uh, maybe you learned something. If you got some other tips that uh, we didn't have on the list, feel free to shoot us an email. Let us know what you think. Uh, We love hearing new tips. It might be something that we don't know. Come on with it. Yeah, so definitely. So coming up next, we've got a uh, guy off of uh, Instagram, Scotch and Time. Mm. And he is a scotch and bourbon expert. Come on with it. Now, have you have you drank my scotch? Nah, bourbon. Man, I have only had scotch once, and Ed gave me some, and I tell you what, man, it was good. Which one was it? It was I. Now I could say this wrong because mm-hmm. I I'm not a hundred percent, but I believe it was Dewar's Twenty One. Mm. That's twenty one year old scotch, <sighs> and I tell you what, man, it was amazing. Okay, but here's the thing about that is now I'm like. I don't want to buy cheap, cheap crap, crap. Yeah. Because I want to, you know, you once got you that had taste. That, yeah, yeah. Once you, you have the good taste. stuff, you don't want to go back. You, you and act like you, you're smoking crack. Now. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I'm usually the bourbon guy, but I really, after drinking that scotch, I really want to try more scotch. Okay. And okay. so maybe. Uh, next week or the week after, I'm going to have That's a new structure. bottle. I see you got a big, nice. <laughs> that, that, that almost sounded wrong. You got a big, nice ash over there. He does have a big ash. <laughs> but anyway, hey, guys, uh, after the break, we'll have a interview with Scotch in Time. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Right back. Hey guys, thanks for hanging through the break with us. Uh, we've got a special guest with us today. Uh, you've probably seen him on uh, Instagram. He goes by Scotch and Time. But we've got Eric, the one and only, with us today. He's going to be telling us about some scotches and some whiskeys and, uh, anyway, about some good pairings. How are you doing today, Eric? Uh, not too bad. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. So we appreciate you taking out the time. From what I understand, you're actually traveling and you're in California at the airport right now. Is that right? No, I'm actually in Mexico in Los Cabos at the airport. Oh, headed wow. To, uh, headed to LAX and then headed to Kentucky for a big bourbon event I'm hosting. Oh, nice, man. So what have you been doing down in Mexico? I was here to uh, drop off my daughter at a three-week neuroscience camp. Oh, uh, nice. Super excited. You know, but... Uh, you know, I decided to take a couple of days to recharge before my uh, uh, my bourbon event. I'm hosting a uh, a big bourbon event in between Louisville, Kentucky, and Bardstown with uh, some major brands. So I've got Four Roses, Mictors. I've got about ten of the top brands in bourbon uh, all uh, hosting me and uh, and pouring some special bottles for the other influencers. Oh, very so nice. So what I do, 
Yeah, so what I do uh, when, in terms of whiskey is I, I'm not an influencer per se, although I guess I, I am, but uh, I host uh, events all over the country that are uh, whiskey-related, and because I have a lot of connections on both the, uh, both the brand side and the influencer side, I host uh, events where a lot of influencers from all over the country come in, drink for free, and uh, have a good time. And, you know, we give uh, the brands exposure that are participating. Okay. And it's, uh, it kind of it kind of was just done in fun and has become actually a uh, uh, paid job. So it's not too bad. Hey, man, you're getting paid to drink and have fun. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I thought maybe while you're down in Mexico, did you have any tequila? No, no. I'm actually uh, strictly a brown spirits guy, so I don't drink any vodka, gin, tequila. Uh, in fact, for a while, I was only whiskey, but now uh, I'll drink a little rum, and uh, I have some cognac sponsors, and I actually found out, uh, you know, especially for cigars, I prefer uh, smoking cigars with cognac more than I do whiskey, actually. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly enjoy both, but uh, depending, like I'm big into uh, hearty cognac, it's a little bit uh, more floral, so it takes away some of the overly sweet uh, notes on, that cognac can some, sometimes have. And I guess it depends on what cigar I'm smoking, whether I go with a cognac or a whiskey. It uh, depends on the wrapper and the filler and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, uh, I enjoy it. But, yeah, I only drink brown spirits. You know? Yeah, when you drink as much as or have the opportunity to drink that often, you have to be picky. Ah, yeah, I would imagine. You know, I'm pretty much just a bourbon guy. I don't. I haven't ever drank scotch before. I've never had cognac before. In fact, to be honest with you, I don't even know what cognac is. Can you tell us what cognac actually is? Cognac is, is in order to be considered a cognac, you actually have to be particularly from the cognac region of France. Otherwise, uh, it is a brandy. So cognac is part of the brandy family, uh, but it is specific to the cognac region oh, okay. kind of like with uh you know with uh, being kentucky straight bourbon obviously you have to be kentucky and with like jack daniels and other tennessee whiskeys i mean they can technically be called bourbon because by the law uh and the regulations of bourbon pretty much every tennessee whiskey is a bourbon but tennessee doesn't want to associate themselves with that name so they call themselves uh tennessee whiskey oh very interesting yeah, they go through an additional process uh, where they do a charcoal filtration, so uh, and they call it the Lincoln County process, and that's the only difference is that uh, charcoal filtration. Uh, but that by in order to be a Tennessee whiskey, you have to go through that process, and once you've gone through the Lincoln County process, you are a Tennessee whiskey and not a bourbon. Now, if you were in Texas, could you do the same thing and filter it through the charcoal and be called a Tennessee whiskey? Uh, no, no, because you still have to be made in Tennessee. Ah, so. <laughs> I got you. I just wanted to verify that. Yeah, and that, that's why by all, by all regulations, Tennessee whiskey can call themselves bourbon. They just want to differentiate themselves. I see. Awesome. So what's the difference between Tennessee whiskey and, uh, say, uh, Kentucky straight bourbon? Uh, in order to be Kentucky, uh, Kentucky straight bourbon, because you can call yourself a, a whiskey after like, 12 months, but in, in order to be, to be considered a straight bourbon, you actually have to be aged two years in a new oak barrel. Okay. Those, that, those are the main regulations. Now, if you want to be a bottled and bond whiskey, you have to be 
four years old, and you have to be exactly 100 proof. So that's kind of silly because I would say 100 proof and higher is better. But to be a uh, to be a bottled in bond, you have to be four years old or older, but you have to be exactly uh, 100 proof. Okay, so if you were over that, you wouldn't be able to be bonded. Yeah, you you would be a you can be a Kentucky Kentucky straight bourbon. You can be a bourbon. You cannot be a bottled and bond unless you're exactly 100 proof. Okay. Well, we've actually uh, been drinking some uh, Colonel E.H. Taylor bonded. Have you tried that before? Yeah, E.H. Taylor is uh, is, is solid uh, throughout the lineup. So, uh, you know, pretty much their entire product product line is, is uh, very tasty. And then some E.H. Taylor can kind of go nuts with the pricing. So they have some, uh, they have some rarer ones. Some that don't, they don't make very often, and then they have like their uh, their barrel strength, like cast strength, is uh, a little bit more expensive. And then uh, their four grain uh, whiskey that they created two years ago is kind of nuts now. So the retail on that should be about eighty nine dollars, and it sells for about five hundred. No way! It's, uh, it's rare. Wow. Yeah, in twenty seventeen, in twenty seventeen, it won uh, it won whiskey of the year. So that kind of uh, bumped up the price. There's a kind of a, a whiskey guru uh, called Jim Murray, who you know writes writes uh, bourbon books and uh, whiskey books. And basically, when he put, when he picks something as a top pick, uh, the price is jacked up. Kind of like what Robert Parker does for wine. I got you. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a little nuts. Yeah, well, we're lucky that doesn't happen in the cigar world as much. Yeah, you know, and and I think a lot of like uh, you know when you look at Cigar aficionado picks. I mean, generally, that top twenty list is uh, is definitely hit or, hit or miss. Yeah, Carrillo, I, w- I was definitely not a fan of. Uh, it's supposed to be cigar aficionado's top cigar, and I did not love it. I tried it three times just to make sure that I didn't get a bad <laughs> cigar. Right. But yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan. You know, uh, of course, the Shark won the previous year, and. Uh, you know, that Fuente, it was kind of weird because it was limited edition, right? So normally they don't, you know, they want something that's uh, a little bit more approachable and easier to find than that uh, in the Fuente Shark. But right. uh, I definitely like it. I, I definitely like the Shark. It's one of my go-to. Yeah, I'm a big fan if you can find it. Yeah, that's the problem now. <laughs> right. I've seen places sell it for like 60 bucks. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. But, you know, the biggest thing on uh, naming cigars a top 10 is it just, even if it's not a scarce cigar, it becomes a scarce cigar overnight. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty much what the premium world is. is that it doesn't matter whether it's cognac, whiskey, cigars, any luxury products. Like I used to do a lot with watches, hence the stock in time. And a lot of watches are like that where, uh, you get on a wait list, you buy it, you could flip it for uh, thousands of dollars more. Really? If, you, uh, if you're able to get it. Yeah. Wealthy people, they want what they want. They want it right away. So, uh, you know, and I think that's really damaged the bourbon world. Because bourbon, you know, I got into bourbon because it was supposed to be a uh, less expensive alternative to scotch. And now it's really not. You can well. certainly find some great bourbons that are reasonably priced, but the rarer bourbons are just are crazy inflated. Wow. You, know, you, you, you take a Pappy 23, and the retail on it is about 250 bucks, and it's going for 2500 to 3000 on the secondary market. So uh, you go to a liquor store, and, and you know those prices are even worse. Yeah, that is crazy, man. Yeah, supply and demand. And, uh, and I think it's a shame because it takes away from people who actually want to drink it. 
because now people are trying to uh, use it as a as a stock. Right, they're saving it. Exactly. I've never had any scotch, so if you were introducing a bourbon drinker to scotch, which direction would you point them to? Um, well, first, I'd, I'd probably ask them, you know, uh, have them try a few to kind of get their palate. But as a as a good transition, you probably want a scotch because uh, the main difference between uh, scotch and bourbon in terms of uh, almost all scotches are aged in a pre-filled cast. So uh, scotch, because of the pricing, is often aged in a bourbon barrel. But it can also be aged in port, in rum. Uh, sherry is very popular. So the top two scotches generally are aged in bourbon barrel or like Oloroso sherry cast. So I found a lot of a lot of uh, bourbon drinkers because like with scotch drinkers, the majority love sherry cast. But I found that for bourbon uh, bourbon drinkers, they don't necessarily love the taste of sherry. Normally, for somebody who's uh, in bourbon trying to uh, get into the Scotch world, I would probably start them off in an, in a bourbon age cask or a uh, a rum cask. I think uh, those are probably the easiest transitions. Okay. So perhaps like a like a Balvenie Doublewood is a good intro. Well, I'd have to write that down. Yeah, they have a, a Balvenie has a Doublewood and it also has a Portwood. So that's a real good uh, entry level. And also like Glen uh, Glenfiddich. Actually, for the U.S. market only, they have a 14-year-old aged in a bourbon barrel. So that's also a very uh, easy-to-transition uh, drink uh, that's not too expensive. So both of, both of those you can get in the uh, $60 to $80 price point. So it's, it's, it's a good way to start. You don't want to go with an expensive scotch that you don't like. Right. Well, hey, I appreciate the tip. So let me ask you this. If you were wanting to venture out and actually try a cognac, what what cognac would you think a bourbon guy would like? Cognacs are uh, definitely sweeter, so and and they're a little bit lower proof. So uh, most people who get into cognac, it's actually not a bad way because cognac is kind of for everybody. It's sweet enough and um, light enough; it goes down fairly well. So that if you're if, if you're especially if you're a cigar smoker, I think most people would would like it. Now, uh, you know, I, I'm not big into the entry level. Cognac, so you know, I, I don't drink a lot of the uh, the Hennessy that seems to be really popular. Um, I I'm more of the there's a great cognac called Hardy H A R D Y. It's a little less known, but they make uh, they make really superior cognac. Okay, uh, just like in rum, I don't drink. I literally drink zero rum, with the exception of four square rum. And uh, if you're into bourbon and you're familiar with uh, Fred Minnick, who's probably the king of bourbon, you know, he's written like six books on bourbon. He is uh, probably the, uh, the most well-known bourbon blogger on the planet. Okay. Uh, and he, he writes, like, he writes a, a lot for Forbes, and he gets a, like two million views sometimes on, on his Forbes articles. But he calls Four Square Rum the uh, Pappy Van Winkle of of rum. Oh wow! So yeah, that would I would definitely recommend Four Square Rum, and I would recommend Hardy Cognac because even at the uh, even at their entry level, like their fifty nine dollar level, the Hardy is spectacular. If you go to XO, uh, which is about one hundred and twenty dollars, it it's blow your mind good. Really? Uh, and it is actually older. Uh, just a, just a, less than two years ago, 
uh, an XO, which is short for extra old, and XO cognac could be only eight years old. Uh, they recently changed it where you have to be, I think it's 10 or 12 years. But Hardy XO has always been 20 years old. So it's more than twice the age of all other uh, XO cognacs. And they do something else that's interesting. They age, they um, normally in bourbon, you water it down afterwards. So bourbon has to go in into the barrel at 125 proof or lower. So what Hardy does is they'll, they'll go in and they go at a, uh, entry, a low entry proof and then they will add water while it's aging so that the water actually takes on the, the flavor of the barrel as well as the flavor of the whiskey. So at the end of the process, you're not just watering it down because most, most whiskeys and most cognacs they are watered down after they're removed from the barrel prior, prior to bottling. Ah, so then you're basically breaking down the flavor versus aging the water. And yeah, and, and yeah, and that's why I'm uh, I'm particularly a cast strength guy. Most people think cast strength or barrel strength is too strong, but that's when you can add ice or you can add water to your taste. You know, to me, I don't want anything to water down my beverages, so I want it as foolproof. And if it's too if, if it's too much heat for me. I'll add a little liquid. Otherwise, I'll drink it straight. And I've been known to drink uh, drink seventy five percent straight straight head on. Right. Uh, and a lot of people, that's too much for them. But again, that's when you can add ice. That's when you can add water to flavor. But ideally, I want it at I want it at the highest proof possible, and I want to drink it the way it was intended. And for everybody else, they can water it down at that point. Because otherwise, you're just paying for the extra water before you buy the bottle. Ah, that makes sense. Hadn't really thought of that. So let me ask you this. What part of the country are you actually from? Uh, I'm actually based in the D.C. area. Oh, okay. I live in, uh, I live in Virginia, but I work in D.C. Oh, okay. So how did you actually get into the spirit domain? That's a funny story. I, was, uh, I uh, work for the federal government, like we said before the conversation, and uh, I also was big into watches. So for a long time, I was... Uh, uh, manager of a watch boutique and a watch buyer. So I was dealing with very high-end watches such as Rolex, Patek Philippe, uh, Marc Gay. And uh, eventually uh, I kept getting people uh, telling me I should open up my own watch store. So I worked for the federal government and I, and I had my own watch store for about four years. But with everything uh, being sold on the internet, it's really tough to have a retail business no matter how uh, good you are. So I was the top-rated business on Yelp for three years, and I was bleeding money. So uh, I had time to kill, and so I started posting my uh, watches with whiskey uh, just for fun, just to kill time, and it kept growing. And people, um, you know, then suddenly I started getting invites to whiskey events. However, uh, I was always working, so I could never go to a whiskey event. And that's kind of how I got started. I said, well, screw it. I'm going to have my own whiskey event. I'm going to do it on a Sunday night, which is the only day I wasn't working like 15 hours. So uh, I tried that, and it just kind of rolled on from there. It started big. My first sponsors were Rolls-Royce and McAllen. Wow. So kind of when, when you start that way, it makes getting other sponsors relatively easy. So now I probably have uh, close to 50 sponsors. Uh, in the realms of uh, high-end automobiles, uh, different kind of spirits. I deal, uh, although I don't drink all spirits, I represent spirits brands from uh, multiple uh, types because you know a lot of the importers import multiple uh, kinds of whiskey. So, it, you know, one of my whiskey sponsors 
uh, if it's LVMH, they cover cognac, they cover whiskey, they cover, uh, obviously champagne. So, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to, uh, take advantage of those relationships as uh, I have exclusive events come up. If they want that exposure, then, uh, then they can join as well. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So I also saw on your Instagram, by the way, your Instagram page is fantastic. Did you do all the photos yourself? Yeah, yeah, I do. I take all my, believe it or not, I take all my photos with my iPhone. I like, I'll take out a camera, a DSLR, maybe twice a year, and just it's just too heavy for me. So I use a light box sometimes. So I do. Cause the only problem with a uh, with uh, an iPhone that takes such good pictures now is sometimes you struggle with portrait mode. Sometimes you're in a bar where it's too dark and you can't get a good bottle pick. So having a good light box and then knowing how to uh, play around with that portrait portrait mode, you can uh, you can do some damage. Yeah, and you know, actually, uh, years ago, I was a photographer for about 20 years, and now all I use is my iPhone. I very rarely drag out the DSLR. Yeah, exactly. So you, you know, it's good enough if you know how to use it. An iPhone can definitely work magic. So you know, why do you why do you want to lug around huge camera equipment everywhere you go? Right. Where that's the iPhone, and that's why it's funny. I, I'm I'm big into mini bottles, and most people think I'm a mini bottle collector. That's crazy on its own because there are guys with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of mini bottles. Really? The collectible mini bottles, they actually cost more than the uh, full bottle, believe it or not. Yeah, there's a Japanese whiskey called Yamazaki 18, uh, where the, the you can buy the, the full bottles already overpriced at about $600. The wow. mini bottle just went on auction for about 2500 No way. For a 50 milliliter bottle. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just because of the rarity. You know, but I use those mini bottles as, uh, you know, I can, I can literally have... Uh, two or three mini bottles in my backpack at all times. So if I just happen to be in a cool location with a with a great backdrop, I'll just pull out a mini bottle on my iPhone and and I've got a picture. Funny that you brought that bottle up because I was actually on your Instagram page and I wanted to ask you about the Yamazaki. Uh, how does that compare to like a Tennessee whiskey or a Kentucky bourbon? Uh, it it doesn't because uh, so Japanese whiskey is made in the style of scotch. So it can't be called a scotch because it's not made in Scotland. Okay. But the process for Japanese whiskey is is very similar to that of scotch. Now, the primary difference between a Japanese and, say, a scotch is that uh, Asians, especially in Japan, don't like higher proof. So there's a lot of rare bourbon that, that goes in the Japanese market only that kind of goes to Japan at, like, 80 proof. Whereas in Kentucky, everything generally is 90 to 100 or higher. Right. In Japan, almost everything that they, uh, Japan only, goes comes in at 80, 83. Interesting. I've never actually had any of that, so I was just curious. Yeah, J- Japan makes some great whiskey. It was kind of a hidden gem for a while, but now J- J- everybody knows Japanese, so the prices on Japanese are insane. Uh, some trivia, prior to 2015, only Scotland and Japan won World Whiskey Awards. No other country had ever won a World Whiskey Award prior to 2015 uh, because Japan and Scotland always won. Really? You know, now recently you've had some other Asian countries, uh, Teeling 24 just won. Uh, so the first Irish whiskey probably that won that award. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's now they're making great whiskey everywhere. And that's why, you know, there's no sense, you know, there's, there are, plenty of people who have not tried other whiskeys but just like there's a bourbon for everyone or rye for everyone there's also a scotch 
for everyone, but with Scotland, you have like in the Isla area, you've got a lot of peat, you know, smoky penicillin tasting, which definitely some people love and some people hate. I'm not a big peat person. Right. Uh, you, you know, you have different parts of the country. So there's a lot of different flavor profiles and because they age in cognac, port, rum, wine cask, you get a lot of different flavors. So if you try the scotch that you don't love, probably you haven't tried enough scotch to find one that you like. I get you know, you. So you can't take you can't take one scotch or one bourbon or one Japanese whiskey that didn't hit you just right and just make a judgment on the entire country, right? Uh, because it is very it is very different. Let me ask you this: Do you have any events coming up in the near future that maybe you're coming on over to Texas? Uh, not at the moment, but you never know. I keep my mind open. Uh, you know, doing events like this uh, when you're doing in, in influencer centric uh, events, the big challenge is. Uh, Number one, you have to have a venue that's willing to host you and willing to uh, you know, provide food and stuff because that's a high expenditure otherwise. And then you have to make it worth their while. So if, if uh, somebody in Texas decided, hey, we want to sp- sponsor an event and work with you, uh, you know, and they're gracious enough to provide a venue, uh, provide food for me, uh, and then I have brands that are willing to participate and pay a participation fee and a bottle, then I have to bring in enough people who are willing to travel to Texas to give that event enough exposure because they're not really doing it like the Whiskey Fest where where people pay a ticketed fee. You know, my events are free, but you have to be an influencer. So if I can't get enough influencers to give that brand exposure, then it it doesn't really, uh, it's not really value-add for them. So it's not that I'm not willing to go anywhere. It's that locations that are not not major cities that don't have a huge pool of influencers it makes it the more challenging to get everything together right it it all has to work together yeah correct and i've been lucky that i i know a lot of big influencers and a lot of big brands so uh one of the big challenges where any joe schmo could do what i do they they have to have the contact and they have to have the trust from the brand in order uh, in order to uh invest in your event let me ask you this: Are you are you? Do you know uh, Bill Bender? Oh yeah, I know Bill. Uh, we had him on the show. Yeah, yeah, he was actually at my Miami event uh, last February. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, yeah, cool guy. Yeah, Great cool golfer. guy, good golfer. <laughs> yeah, good golfer. In fact, the uh, day that he was on the show, he played golf and twisted his ankle and tore a ligament. And I said, "Man, you should go to the doctor and have that checked on." And he said, "Nah, I'm drinking some 140 proof." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think his, uh, it looks like his show is going to take off. Everything is uh, everything seems to be going well. He seems to have a lot of support from the brands. So, yeah. Yeah, we're excited for him. Well, hey, man, we appreciate you taking the time to be on our show. So tell people how they can find you if they're looking for you. Uh, I mean, I know you're on Instagram as Scotch in Time, but what other social media platforms? I, I'm pretty much, you know, I'm, I, I'm on Facebook a little bit. Uh, I'm mostly on Instagram, so... Uh, you know, Facebook is the same, Scotch and Time. Uh, Instagram, obviously, Scotch and Time. Or you can go to uh, scotchandtime.com. Okay. Or you can see photos of, uh, you know, of up- upcoming events, but mostly private events. You know, so you can see a lot of uh, supercars. My Lamborghini events are there. My Rolls Royce events, they're all uh, in the photos with whiskeys. So yeah, I saw you can find me uh, whiskeys with a green Lamborghini. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we have a lot of, uh, you know, my last event was a... Uh, uh, was actually at Sterling Motor Cars, but it was with the uh, Lamborghini Owners Club. 
So we'll we'll do fun stuff like that where they'll pull out. The, it was called Cars and Chronos. So the Lamborghini owners came with their uh, their Lamborghini, Ferraris, McLarens, and uh, they brought their nice watches and and we just drank and had a party. Sounds like fun times, man. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me. Hey, uh, man, thank you so much. Where the hell I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, we hope your event is a huge success. And uh, if you need anything from us, just reach out anytime, man. We'd love to be here for you. All right, no problem. When you uh, when you get it all set up, just let me know, and I'll, I'll share it on my uh, on my pages as well. Okay. Hey, man, we appreciate that. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon, and you have safe travels, brother. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, we learned a lot ourselves, so uh, we'll be drinking some scotch real soon. So anyway, we wanted to announce this week's Luxury Cigar Club winner. And hang on one second, we'll hit the randomization button. And the winner is Brandon Rosansky. And I hope I'm saying that right, but it's R-O-Z-A-N-S-K-I. Brandon Rosansky. Anyway, we'll send you an email with a uh, link and a uh, code, and you will get your free Luxury Cigar Club box. It's the Platinum Edition. And, uh, man, you know what time of the month it is. It's coming up. Yes. I mean, I'm already getting excited. <laughs> and I haven't been paying attention. Yes, sir. I've been out of town, and I haven't been seeing a lot of Instagram lately. But, hey, and you guys, if you're listening and you're not hooked up with me and uh, Bryant on Instagram. Yes, sir. Uh, I am under Cigar Talk Radio, and he is under Cigar Talk Co-host. So send us a message, follow us, and uh, man, we're we're on there pretty regular. Yes, so sir. we interact with a lot of guys who listen to the show. We yeah. get ideas from them. They give us tips. I interact with one today, Nick from the uh, Cigar Pulpit. Oh, nice. Yeah, he reached out to me. Yeah, he was from Illinois. Yeah, listens to the show, had questions about some things, and when I get to Illinois next time, we're going to smoke up to them. I've got a, a bunch of guys that I talk to on a regular basis. Uh-huh. Uh, I, what is it? I can't. And it's hard for me to remember sometimes their their go by name on Instagram. You know, bro. Which like Schmidt Schmidt face. Yeah, yeah, Schmidt face. face. <laughs> I haven't heard from him in about a week or so. Okay. So I need to talk with him. He's got a lot of cool stuff going on yeah, down there. Yeah. Uh, I talk to uh, Cranky Buzzard all the yes. time. I talk to uh, Old Vic down in San Angelo. Mm-hmm. Cigar uh, aficionado. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many people that, and Cigar that's and that's where we talk at. The only thing I don't like about talking on instagram what's that is it's really easy to lose contact with people because it's not you're not talking to them by their name you know what i mean and with some of the names they're so (laughs) funky or there's so many names that start with cigar something that it's hard for me to remember who was who and i mean i probably get like 30 different messages a day from 30 different people Mm -hmm. so trying to go down and find a message is very difficult in fact for any of you guys that may be like uh, you know genius at doing apps here's an app idea come on with it i this would be brilliant i mean it is brilliant <laughs> i came up with it so you already know so anyway if there was an app that incorporated all your social media apps that kept like a record system or an email system to where when you put it in, you just tap on it and it like separates everybody by their name, okay. not just their username. And filter. Yeah. And so that way, if you were to go and save messages, because like on Instagram, man, I can, there's no way to save a message. Mm-hmm. So I might talk to someone three weeks ago and I want to go back and talk to them, but they're like 
80, 90 places down on the list yeah. and I'm having to sort. I actually have to open the message to find it. Okay. But if you could like do a search and said, hey, I was talking to this guy, let's just say, and I we were talking about Monte Cristo, mm-hmm. and I could do a search for Monte Cristo and pull up that actual message, that would be the bomb. That would be. That really would so be. So one of you geniuses out there that can create that, <clears throat> if you create it, we will use it. Oh, I definitely will. You know what I mean? I think it'd be a perfect app. Yes, sir. So anyway, let's talk about the Luxury Cigar Club for a minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys, they add so much value every month. And here's the thing. They send you a box of five selected cigars, and they're not just randomly throwing no, five cigars no. in there. Last month, man, that god of fire knocked me out. It was so good. And, I mean, dude, that's a cigar that's been on my list for a long time. I can't find them. And then that Lancero, do you still have yours? Oh, you still have the Placencia Lancero, too. You were such a dog. Hey. So I tell you what, I gave you that. When I say I, I, I enjoy hey, my sticks, I, I gave you that box there. Why don't you give me that God of Fire? <laughs> that seems like a fair trade. <laughs> so, uh, so these guys take time to pick out just the most fantastic sticks. Yes. And here's the thing too. I mean, the platinum box is sixty bucks. Mm-hmm. I added up all the cigars from last month, dude. Seventy eight dollars. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I'm saving eighteen dollars right off the bat, and these guys are doing the work finding cigars that every month I'm just loving them. And that's here in Texas, where the sticks are not twenty dollars for a ten dollar stick. Right. I mean, you go to California, oh. and this sixty dollar box is going to cost you a hundred twenty yeah. bucks. Ask Junior about that man when he was talking about that uh, that stick that he loved that he smoked all the time, and it was twenty dollars in California. Right. Here it was nine dollars. Right? Oh man, come on! Come and on. whenever I did the pricing, I was using local uh-huh. Texas prices, uh-huh. and so it was seventy eight dollars here. And yeah, like you say in California. <sighs> I bet that box over would be 100, 120 yep. bucks. Yep, over 100. So you guys go check them out. Uh, if you're listening to this episode, go by the webpage. On this episode, you can look down. You can select the link that takes you to their site. You can see what they do. A uh, bunch of uh, really good guys over there. Can't say enough about them. And we just appreciate them being partners with us on our giveaway every week. Yeah, it's, uh, really yeah, gives it's, us an opportunity to give back to the community. And that's one of the things that I was talking to Chris. And they... Their whole goal is to give back and make the community better. Okay, okay. And so I think they're doing a great job yes, on sir. that. And, and uh, Brandon will enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, uh, before we move, I got to tell you guys, before we started the show, Bryant gets up from the table, <laughs> starts walking across the room and forgets he has his headphones on and about tears down the whole room. <laughs> Oh, you got to find like, something to make like, me uncool. I, I was huh? like, yeah, you're not cool. I was dude, like, dude, have you been drinking? Dude. <laughs> anyway, I was like, well, you know what? We're happy to have him back. <laughs> you know what? Last week when you weren't here, uh-huh. nothing got tore up. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so you say. Right. There are no witnesses. That's exactly right. <laughs> hey, and we also, also announced, guys, coming up in September, probably the third week in September, maybe the fourth week in September, we're going to be starting our YouTube channel. Yes. And so we're going to be doing the show every week, but we're also going to be doing the YouTube show every week. And probably the first two weeks, it'll just be us doing the show. Yeah. And then after that, once we get the hang of it, hopefully, 
we're going to actually be doing two different shows. Mm-hmm. One will be the regular podcast, and then the new one will be actually just for YouTube. Yes, sir. So we will be uh, excited to launch that, see where that goes. And it's all about the community. You are the reason we are branching out. You know, we want to reach you. We want to reach you. We want to reach you. And the only way we can is by using social media to its max. Absolutely. And that's what we're trying. Right. And I mean, uh, and, you know, speaking of that, let's talk about McAllister. Yes, sir. You know, we're so we're so blessed to have them as our sponsor. But what's your number again? (laughs) Oh, did you hear the crickets? Rob has nothing to say. (laughs) I know what? I like my number. I know. It's high. It's It's high. No, it's not that high. It's high. I've met a lot of people who have higher numbers. But, you know, they send out this really nice medallion. Yes, sir. They send you a handwritten certificate. They're a great cigar company. And, I mean, dude, we, we're just so blessed to have them as a sponsor. Yes, we are. So go by. If you haven't done this yet, I don't I don't know what you're waiting for. you got to go check them out. Go by our website. Click on the link down below this episode. Click on the McAuliffe Ambassador link and go by. All you have to do is register, mm-hmm. and that's it. It's free. It's free. And they will communicate with you. They find out what you like. I mean, it's like a family. And then if you already are an ambassador and you're not a member, of the ambassador, the McAuliffe ambassador group on yeah, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Go by and do that, man. I chat with those guys all the time. Great bunch of guys. Almost In fact, definitely. Who, who was it? Uh, oh, you're going to love this. You know, Charlie <laughs> the from uh, Texas City, uh, not Texas City, but League City uh-huh. down in Houston area. We had him on the show yeah. a few weeks back. He's an ambassador, but today he posted, you know, something about, I haven't seen Cowboys this excited since something, <laughs> you know, kind of ragging on the Cowboys. And yes. I was like, man, that's kind of hardcore. <laughs> so I sent a meme back, and it was like this guy that looked super drunk, and he was like, this is what the Texans look like every every season before they start the season. Uh, I love how you Texans fight one another about dallas and houston man oh like it's, it's not that way in california <laughs> oh, come on talk to junior right exactly <laughs> the boat dog yeah so and i haven't seen junior in a while Me neither. he's working man dude he's that working. dude is working yeah, he's working man i mean i thought i had work ethic nah. that dude yeah but you know what the difference is He's young. Yes, he he's is. A young man. <laughs> he's young and he's hungry. Yes. He's got those babies trying to get. <laughs> right. So go by the website, click on the McAuliffe, go by, get yourself involved with the community. They have a great community. Uh-huh. And that's another community I want to bring up real quick is the barrel burners. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, if you haven't become a barrel burner, go by and check them out. That's probably the close knit community mm-hmm. of cigar groups that I know. Yes, sir. Those guys are doing a great job. And Jason over there, I mean, he has started something. And, you know, there was I think he said there was a group of six of them that started it. But basically, everybody's kind of, you know, fallen off the map as far as barrel burners goes, except uh-huh. for him. But the community that they have is just really close. And, and it's growing, too. It is growing. Yes. And, you know, they just had an event up in, I believe, New Jersey last week with uh, Viva Lupita. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so we wanted to say congratulations to them. I, th- I think it was their one-year anniversary. Yes, it was. Dude, in one year. The growth. They have, that they, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And the uh-huh. reason that they've grown so much is because of what a community they are. So hats off to those guys. Congratulations again if you're a barrel burner. Uh, I see guys posting all the time. They get their patch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm waiting on mine. 
Have you started? Yes. You have? Yes. Wow. Come on. I'm impressed. Come on. I don't have time. Come it's a, it's a commitment. It is. I'm going to tell you right now, you don't just say, hey, I want to join, mm-hmm. and you're in. Nope. Like Jason said, they're not going to change. That's the way they want mm-hmm. it because it it filters out the people who are not dedicated. Who are not dedicated, who are not true to it. Right. And that's what I love about it, man. It's, it's a true community. It's close. It's tight. But- it's growing because it's it's about something. It's about the cigar. It's about the community. It's about uh, us. <laughs> Come on, man. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? And I agree. If if you know, if I had time, I that would be the group that I want to be a member okay. of because it is such a community. Yes, sir. And I mean, I'm not knocking any other of the communities mm-hmm. because they all have different relationships. They have different goals, and that's fine. But if I was going to be a part of one, that would be the one I would be a part of. And so we want to say hats off, happy birthday, happy anniversary, and uh, just keep doing what you're doing, guys. They did a great benefit for the Cigars for Warriors. Yes, uh, they did. And, you know, hats off for helping the men and women who serve the country. So I guess that wraps up the show for this week. Uh, is there anything? Oh, coming up next, next week. week. Yeah. We're going to be heading over to uh, CJ's Cigar Lounge in Brownwood. It's a brand new lounge. And I don't know if I told you this, but I went by there and they weren't open yet. Okay. But when you go by there, it's a cool looking place. It's downtown. It's old downtown Brownwood. Okay. And I believe it's on Baker Street. I could be, I could have that wrong. But anyway, you go by the shop and the front of the building is like all glass, but it's all tinted. So you can't see CN, in. Okay. But then the front doors. It's two red doors, and the two doors, I'm, I mean, just one door by itself, I, I'm going to guess, is like six foot by 12 feet. They're ginormous, and they're bright red. Uh, the I brick mean, and mortar, man. Hey, but what's cool is those aren't the actual doors. <laughs> when they're open, uh-huh. those two doors open up, and then you have the regular doors. But it's a really cool looking. Okay. I, fact, I took a picture of it. I'll have to show it to yeah. you. But yeah, that's a cool place. We're going to go by there and interview uh, CJ and uh, check out what he's got yes, going sir. on over there. That's next week. Yeah. So you guys uh, hope you tune in, check it out. And between now and then, shoot us some emails. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. And you know what? We love getting ideas from yes, you guys. Yes, we do. Uh, I talked to a guy yesterday that was like, hey, man, would you be interested in interviewing a cigar shop owner in Canada? And I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. And did, did you know I'm half Canadian? <clears throat> I'm serious. <clears throat> <coughs> Are you saying you knew that already or you didn't nope. know? I, yeah, I'm half Canadian. My mom was from Alberta, Canada. Okay. How did she wind up in Texas? Uh, her her dad was from Texas. Okay. You okay. can't figure that no, out? No, I can't. <laughs> her mother, my grandmother, uh-huh. married a Texan. Hmm. So I don't know how that came about. I was just going to say, how did that I, come I about? I don't know how that came about. But anyway, uh, in fact, my mother growing up in Texas, at one point, I don't know what changed, but she had to actually pick to be a U.S. citizen or a Canadian citizen. Okay. And so, of course, you know, living in Texas, she went, went with the U.S. US yeah. But we used to go to Canada every summer mm. when I was growing up and talk about, you know, the movie Family Vacation? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Uh, you're laughing, but I'm I can serious. See it in my mind. I mean, whatever could go wrong. And I, let me tell you, wrong. I'm going to tell you this quick little story before we go. 
Like one year when we went, we took two cars. My mom and dad were in one car. My grandmother drove the other car. Uh And it was me, my younger brother, my cousin. So we're like caravanning up to Canada. And me and my cousin are riding with my grandmother. And I'm going to say she's probably 60 at this time. Uh And so we're following my mom and dad. And we're somewhere up in like Montana driving up there. (laughs) And... I remember being in the back seat, and you remember when you were a kid back in the 70s, oh, yeah. you were all over the car. Everywhere. You know what I mean? It wasn't Everywhere. like you were strapped in a seatbelt. No. You were in the front seat, the back seat, you were up in the window. We didn't have seatbelt laws yeah, back yeah. then. <laughs> so anyway, I remember my grandmother, we were following my mom and dad, and they're going, and my grandmother turns off and says, they're going the wrong way. <laughs> and we just turn off. And I mean... And, you know, we're just like, okay, whatever. So then we got separated. There were no cell phones back in the 70s. No, there weren't. Dude, we were lost for five hours. <laughs> you know how my parents found us? How? They pulled up and stopped on an overpass and, and just waited. Until you came back through. <laughs> yeah. That's how the 70s were. There was no smartphone. There was no GPS. <laughs> It was just grandmother was stubborn, and she was like, they're going the wrong way. I got a funny story. Every summer, we went to Memphis, because that's where my dad's family is from, where it's based. So this one summer, we were going, we piled it. We had a Chevy conversion van, and I'm sitting in the back, and I fell asleep. And it's the summer, remember? We get to around about Jackson, Tennessee. I wake up and look out the window, and it's white everywhere. And I said, Mama, the season changed. It's snowing. She said, No, boy, that's cotton. <laughs> hey, and I've never I up, seen it. I grew up in West Texas <laughs> so, where there's cotton. cotton everywhere. And yeah, it looks like snow. Oh, man, Once, that blew my mind. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so, all right, guys, that's enough about our, our old past back from the 70s. <laughs> and uh, we will see you next week. And until then, keep smoking. Keep smoking.